This is McLean Mannix, and you're listening to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with Kevin Finkler and new in studio guest, Joseph Mendoza. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty good. Thanks, Garrett, for having us here. Going good, Garrett. Thanks. Always a good time to come and talk with you about sports. You're right, and it is, it's a good time for Nevada as they're coming off a very, very lucky win against Oregon State this weekend. It was a 37-35 win, and the game could not have been uglier. I couldn't agree. You shouldn't go out into a 30-7 to lead and only win by two points. Defense has to be better, and offense has to execute a lot better down the t- Yeah, it was really a nasty win. You know, it was dirty. But, hey, we did get the W, so, you know, you got to look on the bright side on some of these things as we did end up pulling it out. Um, You know, obviously a lot of that had to do with um, luck and a lot of, you know, missed field goals there just like we had in the NFL on -hmm. Sunday. Um, But, yeah, definitely our first half, we definitely showed up pretty well. Um, Like Mendoza said, we had that huge lead at the half. Um, It was great time watching the pack um, lead at half. Uh, it's just, you know, we have to learn to finish. And we, I, me and Garrett, we, we talked about this last week against Vanderbilt. Is We came out strong in that first half, and then just the second half we started, you know, dwindling it down. We have to start learning how to play, you know, a four-quarter game instead of just this two-quarter stuff. Thankfully, we had that lead, that uh, big enough lead in the first half so we could keep it going until the second half. Here's my thoughts real quick. The first half of this game looked like, when we played Portland State, the offense was fire. Everything was clicking on on all cylinders. Second half of this game looks like our our game against Vandy, where in the second half of that Vandy game, nothing was going for us right. Nothing was going for us right. There was a span in this in this game against Oregon State in the third quarter where we had six straight drives of punts, and only one of those one of those drives got more than ten yards of offense, which is sad. Because we, because this is an air raid style offense where we put up points in the first quarter and then something changed. We played instead of play to win. It was a play to not lose. So we were playing very conservative, which is something I don't think Nevada does very well. It's not. It's we don't have the offensive line to pound the rock thirty straight times in a row. And the way this offense was built is it, the way that we the play calling was. It would be incomplete pass, first down. Second down, maybe run for a yard or two. Third down, incomplete pass because you put Ganji in a situation where it's third and long and you just punt. And so that's one thing I think Nevada definitely did struggle with. And the defense really bailed out this offense because the defense put up a touchdown of their own on uh, Asani Rufus strip sack. Uh, Malik Reed picked it up. And so I think it was really interesting to see how Nevada defense has actually been good this year. They looked good in the first half against Vandy. They looked good against Portland State. And they looked good against a Pac-12 offense. Now, I don't know if we're going to continue this because we've seen there are some high-power offenses in the Mountain West, as we see with Hawaii and Boise State, to, to just name a few. But it's it's good to see that Nevada Nevada's offense can put up points, as we saw in the first half, and the defense can hold them and we did get lucky on two missed field goals from the kicker it, the, he just shanked them he just shanked them and so i think that nevada nevada as we as we said earlier should have ultimately lost this game and we should be one and two but count the count your lucky stars we are two and one heading into week four where we play toledo yeah no and that's and that's kind of the good thing you know if I'm thinking if I'm coach right now and I'm the team right now is you're thinking, thank gosh we won that game. Thank gosh this kicker can't make a field goal. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta you gotta roll with it though. You gotta take this luck and you gotta turn it into something. You can't just expect all this to keep happening. You have to take the good things like you were talking about, Garrett, is our defense actually kind of stepped up this game, especially with, uh, you know, putting some points up on the board themselves. Without those points, you know, we end up losing this game. And yeah, it just, it's, there's something about our offense that, you know, we are the air raid offense. We're going to try to put up as many points as we can, as quick as we can. But we got to start to become versatile and be able to put points up in, you know, the fourth and the third quarter. Because that's honestly, if you look at it in most games, that's where it comes down to is those last two quarters. I mean, whether it's college, high school, or uh, the NFL, that's when, you know, these teams actually start uh, proving themselves. And that's where, you know, you separate the men from the boys is those two quarters right there. 
So it's it's good to see, like you said, our defense is finally you know stacking up and actually um, pulling their weight. But something's got to change in offense when it comes to coming out of that locker room. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if we're just playing conservative when it comes to the last two quarters. We're too afraid we're going to make mistakes. Um, if that's the case, we got to be able to make you know be able to afford those mistakes you know take some chances because sometimes some of those chances are going to turn into some long touchdowns some you know a lot of points in those last two quarters so you got to take some chances somewhere couldn't agree it seems like coming out of halftime the last two games we get or any game in general we get a little conservative we seems we have the we have the lead and seems like Jay Novell doesn't want to chance it you know Running the ball, yeah, we got the lead, but you got to take some shots. You got two great slot receivers that can get open pretty much against any DB in the nation. You got to hit them. You're right. And looking at this game, Nevada, from the 10-minute mark in the second quarter, we didn't score until the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter. So that went two, about two full quarters without scoring. And looking at some, looking at some stats when it comes to possession time, in the first quarter, Nevada had 10 minutes of possession time comparison to four minutes for Oregon State. Looking at the second quarter, Oregon State had 12 minutes of possession, while Nevada only had two. So it just shows you how like Nevada just like inconsistency on offense. And I think with this in, this inconsistency, it might it might hurt Nevada in the long run because look, we had look even against Portland State, we struggled in the beginning. This game, Vandy, we struggled in the beginning. And then this game, it's it's we score first possession, which is something I never thought we would see. Hardly see it, that. This this honestly reminds me a lot of the Nevada basketball run in the tournament against Texas and Cincinnati. Started really slow. We, we were able to fight back and win against Loyola Chicago. We started fast, and then we we blew the lead. So it, it, I just don't think that there this offense needs to find its identity in consistency. Before we can, and this is the week to do it. it. We're we're traveling on the road to a tough Toledo team. Uh, it's a 9 a.m. kickoff. I think this this team needs to find its identity, especially before Mountain West play. And then hopefully this team can try and maybe get to a bowl game, maybe get to that six win mark we need. But I don't know. It, it's going to be tough. The, Nevada football does not have an easy schedule from here on out. Yeah, they definitely do do not, especially after this game. I mean, even this game is going to be a struggle, but even after that, when we come back and we play, you know, we take on the Mountain West, we t- play Boise State, and we play Hawaii, Hawaii and all these other teams, and when it actually starts to matter, when we can determine, you know, who's going to end up, you know, uh, playing in the Mountain West, and, you know, when they decide about uh, bowl games, this is what they're going to look at as conference play. Um but no, you're right. We talked about it before, Garrett, that, you know, this team needs to find its identity. You know, some weeks the offense showing up, some weeks the defense showing up. Um, I'm waiting for the Nevada football team where both sides of the ball show up finally. And it's, I, I like I said, I think it needs to go back to, you know, we're trying to do too many different things, whether we're trying to play conservatively and, you know, hold the lead and play some prevent defense, or we go out and our offense isn't firing all, all cinders, cylinders, but our defense is picking up. It's something that we need to find ourselves. And I think, like you said, this is the game to do it, is we're on, we're away right now. This is going to be a test for us. This is honestly um, not practice, but this is the time where we can actually, you know, uh, try some new and different things before we come back and have to play in the Mountain West and play these, you know, very difficult teams like Boise, who's ranked right now nationally. I couldn't agree more, Kevin. You know, like they say, uh, Mountain West Conference play, you come in, your preseason, you would call it, is not as important, but it's still very important. You can use these to better your offense. And it looks like we're struggling on first down. We're putting Ty Ganji, who is not necessarily the most pocket quarterback, into a throwing down. Why not switch it up? You know, we got great running backs. Shoot it with a first down run. You're in second and third or second and seven. You do another one. You're at third and two, which is a lot more manageable. You got two yards. It's not a hard throw. You can either throw it or run it. And it's just more, it's a higher chance of getting that first down. It's just all about having that consistency on offense. Like you said, we're always coming out. We're going three and out. We got to kind of just keep that consistency, help the defense, keep them off the field, and have our offense go down and score. Makes the game a little easier for everybody. Now, in the first th- two weeks of the season, we've seen Nevada <coughs> utilize 
utilize all four of its running backs. But in this game, they only seem to utilize two of them as uh, Toa Tua uh, and Kelton Moore were the two main featured backs. And it's just interesting to see, like, although they're doing well, how come we didn't see uh, Jackson Kincaid? He only got one carry. We didn't see any carries from Devontae Lee. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was something an issue during practice. If he struggled, and we just don't see him, he wasn't suited up. But it's just interesting to see how Nevada has a wide variety of backs who can all do different things. Mm-hmm. And one thing to and it was great to see uh, Tolatula get his first collegiate touchdown, and he he really did step up when when the offense needed to. Gianji did not have a very good game. Looking at the stats, he went. 17 to 35, two, uh, 195, two touchdowns and a pick. He, look, just watching the game, you could tell Ganji did not play well. This season, he's played okay, to say the least. Uh, he he does make some, I wouldn't say boneheaded decisions, but his interceptions are often come when he's throwing on his back foot. It's like he, he gets he's almost trigger happy like when the offense is doing well. I wouldn't say I don't know if it's trigger happy or is it just like like you say Ty Ganji isn't your your normal quarterback. You say his strong you would say his strong asset is his legs. And like most quarterbacks, if your arm isn't your best asset, you kind of get happy feet. And what you see with Ty Ganji is we put him on the run, and it's not that he's trigger happy. It just seems like he doesn't want to take a sack. But looking at it, you'd probably take that sack of five yards or throwing it out of bounds over. Uh, off your back foot, INT, throwing across the field, which you would say, I would say 99% of the time, that's going to be a pick, throwing across your body across the field. Now, one thing I do think with the Nevada offense is something they've done well is they've their play calling is diverse. They, they utilize a lot of wildcat. They utilize a lot of option plays. And I think that's one thing that definitely is hard to prepare for because we've, we've seen uh, – Wide receiver passes. We see Tolatua has a pass uh, on like a little flip play. Uh, I guess that's now a pass. Uh, <laughs> you, you had a wide receiver pass, Caleb Fossum. <laughs> Although it doesn't work, it's definitely it's definitely in the arsenal, and teams have to prepare for all things. No, definitely, and I agree. It's it's something. It's definitely an asset that we do have. Is we have that versatility when it comes to play calling. Obviously, these teams that we're going up against, they're going to have to prepare for that, which I think it opens up the field to a lot more different things because if you have, you know, the Wildcat offense and you have different options and, you know, you have wide receiver throws and stuff like that, it keeps the defense on their toes so they're not ready for, you know, if we just decide to, you know, a normal play, just run it up the middle, you know, type thing. I think... Honestly, this is a better thing rather than, you know, offenses that are strictly just, oh, we're going to pass, pass, run, or run, run, pass, you know, where they get into a certain system where it's just not working and the defense knows exactly what's happening. So I think this is one takeaway we can um, we can accept and say, you know, this is a good thing that um, we do have a versatile offense. Now, when it comes to – which I think it does work out with Gandry a lot, like you were talking about, uh, Joseph. It talks about um, that, you know, his strongest asset is his uh, is his legs. I mean, look at his rushing. He went eight, eight carries for 61 yards. I mean, he averaged more than Toa on when it came to that. I mean, obviously, Toa had the touchdown, but that's just uh, something – that you know we maybe have to look into more is utilizing him that way and definitely the coaching staff Norvell definitely has to sit down and talk with this kid and go hey dude you know you need to start working on your pocket passing you need to start working because you know we're a offense heavy you know team and we're gonna throw the ball a lot obviously 35 attempts I mean that's a lot that's you know stuff you see a lot in the NFL the amount of attempts but definitely we need to get his um completion rate back up we need to cut down on the interceptions and like you said Garrett sometimes it's not boneheaded plays but he just you know gets excited which I mean that comes with um someone playing in college football I think that's more so on the coaching staff needs to sit down with him you know the QB coach the head coach and the offensive coach need to sit down and talk with him go over that game film and let him know be like hey we know you want to run we know you're excited but you need to just calm down and relax and obviously it's going to take some time for him to uh, get that under his belt and relax but I think he'll eventually get to it though 
looking at one side of the ball that was actually successful, which was the defense. I think the defense played all around really well. They were able to get pressure. They got five sacks on the day. Jamon Dotson is a name you, most people probably have never heard of. He He's on the depth chart, but he really stepped up big, 11 tackles and an interception. Uh, Birdale Robbins, another name you guys might not have known. Uh, he got another. He got his first collegiate interception, and he had also nine tackles. And it's it's also interesting to see the defense played okay, and they were missing uh, Gabe, Gabe Sewell for the first half of the game due to a targeting call during the Vandy game. So it was really good to see that once he came in, the defense really stepped up, and we didn't only allowed fourteen in the second half. Yeah, like you said, you know, we we rely on our offense a lot because, you know, we're traditionally we're called the pack raid, but it is great to see our defense coming in. Like one star, Malik Reed, you know, he's been a star here for a, long, a lot of years, and he just seems like that transition to linebacker seems like it's coming very well. Like you say, he's getting pressure, and he's lo not looking too bad when he's dropping back into his zone coverage. It just looks good when you have a defense that comes in. Like you say, sometimes the offense is going to win the game, sometimes the defense is going to win the game. This week, we relied heavy on that defense, and when it came time to call on them, they came up and got those stops, and that's a good sign of a defense. It's a bend but not break defense. You know, you hear that a lot in the NFL. Just you can give up yards, you can give up yards, but the main thing that matters is that points. And when it came down, our defense came up, and we're not allowing points in the end. Yeah, no, Joseph brought up a good point is, you know, stepping up is obviously you talked about it, Garrett, is Dotson. A lot of us don't know who who this guy is. He came he's off he's on the depth chart apparent obviously, but a lot of us don't know who he is. We talk about, you know, the big guys like Reed and stuff like that. And Dotson comes off the bench and comes off and just has a phenomenal game. And that's that's the type of stuff we need on both sides of the ball, whether it's defense or offense, is, you know, if sometimes people aren't having their best days, if we're missing, you know, guys because of, you know, dumb targeting calls, you know, and things of that nature, we have to have some guys step up. And Dotson really stepped up and pulled his weight on this game. And I'm really proud of this kid, you know, making a name for himself. But you also got to look at Reed. Reed had a phenomenal game, obviously, with that one and also that you know fumble recovery for a touchdown uh, dude was just all over the place and we've talked about it before Garrett Reed is always you know a hot topic uh, guy we always talk about on the show I'm really glad he had a great game but just going back to Dotson Dotson I'm if you're listening man I hope you're listening but we're all proud of you here in the studio keep doing what you're doing man and uh, you're gonna make a name for yourself and you know you'll start seeing people chanting Dotson in those stands Looking at just just one last thing before we talk about Toledo is that uh, this was a really emotional game for Birdale Robbins out on Saturday. It marked the one-year anniversary of his, of his brother passing in a shooting in Los Angeles. And so he this was something he talked about in the post-game press conference. It was, it was just like an emotional game for him. And he really didn't tell anyone on the team except, except for a few coaches. And that was one thing that Coach Norvell did talk about in – his opening remarks uh, went, went after the game. But looking ahead uh, to this weekend, we travel to the state of Ohio to face the, to face the one and one Toledo Rockets. Now, this game should be an interesting one. Toledo came here last year. It was the, it was the home opener for Coach, Coach Norvell. We did lose that one. But I think that I think something can change this year. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it is, but this offense has got another year under this system. Went off. With uh, Norvell, Toledo okay. is coming off a, uh, a loss to Miami. And now, granted, this is the Hurricane of Miami, <laughs> this the U. But I, I just, I just feel like something's going to be different this year. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a completely different team. We've already started to see this. We're already one game away from tying. You know how many wins we had last season. I mean, it's a completely different team this year than it was last year. Different quarterback, same coaching staff, but they also have, you know, more experience on these belt. A lot of these players we didn't lose any, you know, major guys um, over the off season. So it's definitely going to be a different game. I don't know if we're going to pull it out though. I think we'll compete a lot more than we did last year. Um, obviously, the line right now has got us, you know, plus ten and a half. So, the experts and the sports betting don't have us winning the game. But I definitely think we're gonna be able to cover the spread. We're not condoning gambling here, but if you had to, I don't know. We're in a state with legal sports gambling. You don't have to say. Anything. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, actually, we are. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, no. So go ahead and put some money on Nevada covering the line, folks. Um, 
it's it's going to be a different team than last year. It definitely is, and just for the pure facts of it's a different year. But it's also for the fact that we have more experience on this offense. I think Ganji's going to settle down a lot in this game. It's going to be an early game, so it's going to have to we're going to have to deal with you know a slight jet lag and that time change. But I don't think it's going to be uh, too horrible for us. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a different game. What do you think, Joseph? Looking at it, yeah, like you said, you know, nothing, anything that helps with football is always getting more time under your belt. And like you said, we got a, another year under this packed raid offense, and we're clearly making steps forward. Our offense is looking more comfortable. We got running backs that are just like it looks like coaches going with the hot hand, and you tend to do that sometimes. You got to just ride the hot man, and lately it seems like it's been Tawa who's just looking like a beast out there carrying the ball. But like you say, yeah, looks like we should have a good game. Coming off, it looks like this can be a, a big statement part of our year going in. If we go into conference play looking at 3-1, and one, that looks a lot better than we did last year. And it's just Toledo's going to be a tough team. you got to come in there. You Maybe we punch them in the mouth, go score a touchdown. That might change up the vibe, but you got to go do something, you know. And this is something I think that uh, if, if play called correctly, Ganji could have a very big game against Toledo. You will look at Malik Rozier for Miami. He had 205, uh, 13-23, 2.05, two passing touchdowns, but he also had two rushing touchdowns. So I think that this is something that Nevada could, could utilize as they both have, as both Miami and Nevada have mobile quarterbacks. And I think 10 and a half, or was it 10 and a half, I think, or 10? 10 and a half. 10 and a half spread is, it's just like, I'd say bet Nevada. If if the I think the line will definitely change because this is still Monday. We still have a lot of time until Saturday. So I think that if Nevada's offense can, I think if Nevada's offense puts up a lot of points like what we've seen, I think it's hard for a lot of teams that Nevada plays to keep up with them. Uh, but I think I think Nevada can have the ability to score points on this defense. We saw Miami put up forty nine on them. I wouldn't be surprised if Nevada thirty. Scores somewhere between thirty and thirty-eight, and but it just it just all depends on how this what part what defense shows up because the defense looked really good against Vanderbilt in the first half. The second half they just no showed, uh, but I, it just all depends. Like we don't know like how the play calling is gonna be. Yeah, you know, like they always say, you know, you can never you hardly get the same t- team every week going in. It's just. You got to ride with what you're going with. And it seems like if we just get off to a good start, have our defense and offense coming in hot like they've been lately, we just got to, you know, kind of just get that wake-up call. You know, we're on the road. Like you said, when we were on the road against Vandy, we came out strong. It looked like we were competing in the game, going to halftime, just come out slumpish. So it just seems like if we come in, keep the game close, go into halftime and just make those mid-game adjustments like everybody does and, just come out and ball. We can look like a good close game, and Nevada might be in it in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it all just comes down to that third quarter. Is you know, obviously we've been struggling in that third quarter. Like Joseph just said, you know, we got to make those adjustments at halftime. Um, and I think, I think we're trying to Norvell's trying to make these adjustments, and we're trying to do it in the third quarter, and it's just not working out. And then that's when we start making adjustments for the fourth quarter, and we start to kind of show up in the fourth quarter. But we need to start making those adjustments at halftime we need to start making those adjustments we come out in the third quarter and we score right off the bat so then we don't have to deal with us coming behind or blowing a lead like we almost did last week so it all comes down to that and also comes down to like gary like you were saying is which team is going to actually show up is it going to be the team of first half of last week and first half of vanderbilt and how we played against portland state or is it going to be the second half of the last two weeks i'm hoping it's going to be the first half because I want to put some money on this game, but obviously I can't. But, uh, you know, for good nature bets, you know, for bragging rights, um, you know, I got family in Ohio, so I'll be talking some trash against them. Um, uh, I think they're actually going to be making the trip to Toledo to go to the game, so I'll be talking trash with them. So one last thing to note before we uh, do go is that this game is a 9 a.m. kickoff Pacific time and is going to be on (laughs) CBS Sportsnet. Uh, we saw what happened last time. Uh, Nevada had a 9 a.m. kickoff, uh, but I think I think something can be different. I think Nevada could be is they already got this travel under their belt. They already know like like what how to like to travel east like this far because last year they really didn't have to travel. Well, the farthest they had to travel obviously last year was to uh, Chicago, 
So I think that they they this team knows like the travel routine. It, it's hard for your team when you haven't traveled yet in a season, the first mm-hmm. the first true road game. So I think Nevada can come out here and do well. Um, but for for a more in depth uh, preview about the Toledo game, I sat down with Toledo beat writer beat writer Brian Bucky and enjoy the interview. Joined today by Toledo beat writer for the Toledo Blade, Brian Bucky. Brian, how's it going today? I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing good. Um, I can't complain. Nevada got a win this week. Um, I'm sure the I'm sure it might not be feeling great around Toledo's campuses following a loss to Miami. Yeah, it was a it was a big big kind of uh, event here in Toledo. It's not every day a team like Miami comes into. Toledo to play the to play the Rockets, so there's a lot of support in the community for that game. Um, unfortunately for the Toledo fans, it didn't go um, their way, but it wasn't anything too far from maybe what was to be expected. How did Toledo manage to land uh, Miami coming to the Glass Bowl? Yeah, it's kind of a, a long story, but um, of course, you know Toledo went to Miami last year. And I think there was a connection between the former um, AD and the AD here at Toledo, Mike O'Brien, and that kind of got the ball rolling, and they kind of talked about it down the road. And I think it helped that Miami, unlike a lot of teams, they don't get the, you know, the 100,000 fans that come to their games like some of the bigger programs have. So they're not, um, you know, so they don't, like, never – they don't always want to pass up those, you know, any, any home game for those, you know, bigger programs where they get 100,000 fans they're going to they're gonna take. But Miami's a little bit more likely to go on the road. And they've they played, you know, at Appalachian State. They had Arkansas State on their schedule last season as a road game, and um, that game got canceled. But um, Miami's shown the ability to go to play mid-major teams. And Toledo didn't look great against Miami, but – Looking at their first game against VMI, they just looking at stats, they killed it. Uh, what is your what has your been what is your general takeaway from uh, the way the team split through the first two games? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say because you kind of have both extremes. Um, VMIs um, they were all eleven last year, the FCF team, so it wasn't a huge challenge for Toledo. And then on the other end of the extreme, you have top twenty five team who came into the glass bowl, so. I think the real truth kind of lies somewhere in between those numbers, but Toledo has a lot of talent on offense. They're breaking in a new quarterback, uh, junior Mitch Guidani, and um, the defense, you know, struggled against Miami, but was good against VMI. So um, it, we'll kind of see where um, kind of where that lands with maybe a team like Nevada, who's maybe a little bit in between those those two teams. Now, how do you, how has uh... The quarterback done replacing Logan Woodside this year because I know Logan uh, picked apart Nevada's defense last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Logan Logan Woodside was the you know the school's all-time leading passer um, by the time he left. So um, Junior Mitch Kudani has stepped in. He's a kid from Northeast Ohio. He he's done pretty well. He had a really good game against VMI. He started a little bit slow against Miami, but he kind of got into a rhythm eventually against really good defense. So I think they're they're pleased with his uh, progression. Um, he's probably obviously not as big, as big a threat to Nevada as Logan Woodside was at that point in his career last season. Um, but he still has, like I said, a ton of weapons to throw to, and they have a good running game and solid offensive line. Just looking at stats, it doesn't look like um, Toledo has a very good running game. Is that something that is we've seen – of this offense, like they go more pass heavy than than run. I think it's a little bit misleading. They've been able to run the ball really well the past few years. Uh, Miami's defensive front is really solid, so that kind of skewed things a little bit. And um, they have a rotation of three backs that they can use. They're all they're all pretty good, and I think you know they're 
there's some changes on the offensive line, so I kind of looking through those. But I think they should be able to have a good run game by the by the time things get going over the next few uh, few games, and that's something they really like to to see as well, just to get that running game going. Like you said, they they ran the ball against VMI, but again, you know that's it wasn't the biggest test for them. Now, now, obviously, it's hard to replace an uh, NFL NFL rookie or one of the top rookies last year, Kareem Hunt. Uh, but what have you seen? What have you seen in the past, not from this year and last year, filling in for Kareem? Well, last year, um, Terry Swanson did a pretty good job of, of filling in for him, and he was a senior last year. Just looking at the Nevada game, kind of remembering that game last year, he had a pretty good game against Nevada. Um, scored a few touchdowns down the end zone, and uh, um, so he's gone, and they have kind of a a three-headed monster kind of thing that they're using. Um, Shaquille Seymour was a fresh, was a veteran freshman last season, and he scored 12 touchdowns, so he has the ability to find the end zone. Art Tompkins is kind of a change of pace back, and they have a transfer from the University of Kentucky and Brian Kobach, who's um, from Toledo originally, and he's coming back here. So I think those three guys will kind of split the carries and kind of see how that goes moving forward. Is it a running back by committee or, like, the next man up mentality? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a committee right now um, until maybe someone emerges. Um, no one really took the reins in the first game against VMI, and they all saw time. Those three that I mentioned all saw time against uh, Miami. So I think it's still kind of working its way um, working its way out. Now, what is looking at this uh, Nevada offense, it does run an air raid-style offense. Um, do you think uh, Toledo's defense can keep up with the speedy receivers? Yeah, I think that'll definitely be an issue that Toledo's going to have to kind of work through. I mean, against Miami, they had some big chunk plays in the passing game. Um, so I think Toledo will need to shore up its, its coverages and kind of get on the same page as far as um, you know, safe communication between the safeties and, and the cornerbacks and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that could be a big, big uh, issue for the Toledo defense if if Nevada can, like you said, they have the air raid offense, so um, that passing game could hurt Toledo a little bit. Now, what would you say is the weakest part of Toledo's defense from what you've seen so far in the two games? I think they've been pushed around. Um, well, not in CMI, but I think Miami's offensive line kind of pushed them around a little bit um, and was able to open up a lot of holes to run the ball. Um, so I think maybe the run defense is the biggest thing that um, needs to be kind of worked on um, heading into this game and kind of kind of patched up. And, and um, I think maybe that's one of the weaker points of the defense. But does this bring any concern to you? Because looking at the rest of Toledo's schedule, they don't face anyone that recruits very like big name athletes like Miami does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Miami is the best athlete that we're going to see all, all season for sure. But, you know, Nevada is the most, most slouch, you know, playing out in the Mountain West, a really good conference. Um, Toledo saw kind of the talent they had, you know, making the trip out there last year. So they're not, they're definitely not looking past um, this game. They know it's going to be a hard fought ball game, especially seeing after, uh, you know, Nevada's coming off that big win, like you mentioned, against Oregon State. So um, Toledo will have to be ready for sure. Now, I wonder, how did Toledo land back-to-back Mountain West opponents as uh, this week they they host uh, Nevada and then next week they travel to Fresno? I, w- I want to know how that happened. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure how that happened. I'm, I'm Fresno State came here two years ago, so that was kind of a home-at-home. Toledo went to Nevada last year. They get them at home this season. So not really sure how that scheduling, you know, went down, but I think Toledo's glad to play some, you know, some good opponents in the in the non-conference, and and it just happened this year that it happened to be two Mountain West teams. It was kind of maybe a little bit of a quirk in the schedule. Now the spread for this game is ten and a half. Do you see this? Do you see the game reaching? What do you, what do you what are your expect? What are your predictions for this game? I think it should be a fairly high-scoring game. I think both offenses will be able to move the ball. Um, if I had to pick, I mean, Toledo's favorite. I'd say they, you know, they probably should be the favorite, but um, 
yeah, you never know. I, I know it's going to be tough for Nevada making that, you know, trip to the east, eastern part of the country. I guess we call it the Midwest here, but it's still, you know, in eastern time zone. Yeah, yeah, different time zone, three three hour difference. You know, they have to play a main game, which I'm sure is probably not ideal for Nevada, but um, yeah, we'll see how they handle it. And I'd say Toledo is, is rightfully favored. But do you think this game is close? Yeah, I, I do think it'll be a close game. I think um, last season Nevada show, kind of showed that you know they can they can move the ball against Toledo. Um, their quarterback is a senior now. If I'm seeing things right, um, is it Ganji? Hi, uh, Ganji. Ganji. Okay, yeah, Ganji's he's a senior now. And yeah, I think he could give Toledo some problems on offensively. So. Yeah, like I said, I think we'll see a high-scoring game. I think it should be close, and I think it'll be very I, I know one thing from, for us, thinking about this, looking back to last year, it was our first home game. It was the second overall game for Nevada last year. And this was, uh, right, this was the first year for uh, Jay Norvell. So I think that now that they have a full year under the system and Jay Norvell has fully recruited his own players, I think it could be different. But mm-hmm. I do think I do think ten and a half is a big spread. Now it is only Monday when we are when we're recording this, uh, and so I'm sure the line is going to go down. But what do you think the line is ultimately going to get to? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's an interesting question. I think maybe some. I don't, I don't know how much it'll go down during the week, but um, I could see it maybe like eight and a half, something like that, getting down to. Um, I think that'll just kind of play out during the week. And I, I do think 10.5 is kind of a big spread for a game like this, but um, they usually seem to know what they're doing when they kind of play those spreads. So, so to- Toledo Stadium is the is, is called Glass Bowl Stadium. How did that get its name? Um, well, Toledo is known as the Glass City, so I think that's kind of how, they, how it can be the Glass Bowl. Um, Toledo is a big manufacturer of glass um, for whatever reason. I'm not too sure of the history of that, but it's always been called the Glass City for a while now, and they kind of took after that with the, with the name of the stadium, the Glass Ball. Interesting. Now, what, coming into the season, what were your what were your projections for how Toledo would do as for the season? I think I was kind of looking at, you know, in, in eight-win season, like, Success. It's really hard just because they're breaking in a new quarterback. It was a little difficult to kind of project, you know, replacing Woodside. He's such a big part of the part of the Toledo team, and I think overall, I think um, Mitch Guzani looked very good in his first two starts. So I think that's a plus, and I think um, eight wins definitely is out of the out of the question. I think they should compete again for another, you know, conference championship, but. You know, it's early, things can change, and it'll kind of play out as the season goes on. Now, besides Salida, who is a team to watch out for in the MAC? Well, in the MAC West, uh, Northern Illinois was projected to win the, uh, win the division over Toledo, so that's a team to watch out for. They had a really tough non-conference schedule. I think they play Florida State this week, so they've kind of made their one and two with the area and MAC win, so... Um, they could be a team to look out for. Buffalo's 3 and 0. Ohio University was picked to win the win the conference, and they've kind of been hit or miss a little bit. But there's a lot of good teams in the in the MAC, and it's you know it's a smaller conference. But um, like for example, Akron won at Northwestern last week, and they tend to be able to knock off a Big Ten opponent almost every year. So it's a small conference, but there's a lot of good teams. Now, looking at the schedule, Nevada is entering their fourth game. How come was it? Did, did Toledo just have a bye week one, or was a game rescheduled? Yeah, they played week one against VMI, and then just the uh, quirk in the schedule, they had week two as their off week. So they had an off week in week two, and then played Miami week three, and now they have to play you know ten straight. That that just uh, seems interesting. How that how that gets scheduled? Yeah, it does. I don't. I'm not sure how, how it's scheduled really with the days off and I'm not sure how that plays out but it is kind of interesting because they I think most teams would tell you they, they would want a, a bye week in the middle of their conference season maybe to 
you know, you get guys rested up, guys get bumps and bruises throughout the season, guys get banged up, and they need that off week to kind of recover and, and regroup at some time. But Pluto doesn't really have control of that, and they have their bye week in week two, so they'll have to be all system to go for the final ten weeks. Yeah, and I know for Nevada, their bye week is in the first week of November, so that's kind of like an optimal time for yeah. when you for when you want your bye week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you have any questions for me about this Nevada offense, about what you've or, or about this Nevada team? Yeah, um, I was looking at the, the they have a strong running game. I know you mentioned the, the air raid. I think Coach uh, Jason Campbell mentioned there's a couple good uh, running backs. Is that kind of what you've seen? Yeah. So what we've seen is Nevada. In the first couple of weeks, we've seen Nevada use four running backs. They went down to two against Oregon State. There's uh, Toa Tua, Devontae Lee are the two freshman running backs who had big impacts. Devontae Lee uh, really stepped up against the Portland State game, and then Toa, Toa Tua had a big game against Oregon State. And then they have returners Jackson Kincaid and Kelton Moore. I think both of them played last year uh, against Toledo, and it's just it's just that with having four running backs, you have a vers- versatile style of offenses, versus versatile style of running backs. So like if you need like a power back, there's that's where Devonte Lee comes in. But Toa Tua can do pretty much everything, and he he seems to be the running back of the future for Nevada. Okay, yeah, I remember Kincaid's uh, name from last year. He was he was pretty solid and. I remember the receiver McLean Maddox. Is he a younger guy? Is he? Like he he's now? Now, he's now a sophomore. He's still, uh, I, he's still the number one target on this team. He he's a big play receiver. Uh, and one thing he did definitely he definitely got bigger over the summer. He put on like fifteen pounds of muscle while also getting faster. So he's not he's not only someone who can beat you over the top, but he's now he can take a quick slant and just outrun everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Coach Candle also mentioned, I think Malik Reed is a pretty good standout defensive player for them. So Malik Malik Reed was a three uh, for three years uh, for three years in a row went uh, went as a D end, but now they moved him to linebacker for his senior year. Uh, he's okay. looked good. He's I think from what we've seen, he's used as a pass rusher more like more than like a coverage linebacker. But it's it's definitely been an interesting uh, transition because with uh, Jeff Castile, he runs a three three five. So you do see him rush every so often. He had a a fumble recovery touchdown against Oregon State, which was huge. And it's it's just it's shown like it's highlighted a, with him not being on the defensive line. It's highlighted some other key players that you might not have seen because Malik Reed was the star on the D line. Mm-hmm. But you see him more. You see him more used as like a Jadavion Clowney role, like with the Texans. Like he's just a he's. He's used majority as a pass rusher, but he can drop into coverage. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, how are the DBs? I know Toledo has really strong receivers, and they have a lot of uh, talent on receiver. Nevada D- Nevada's DBs are okay. They're not the greatest. They're, I would think, this, they're one of the stronger parts of this defense. They got uh, some veteran guys in Asani Rufus, Damian Baber, but then they got a bunch of other guys who – um, who step up in big time plays? It's not like you have, it's not like they have like nationally recognized uh, DBs like what Florida State has each year in and year out. Derwin James with Derwin James, Jalen Ramsey, and whatnot. But they, their DBs do get the job done. They did a good job. They did a good job controlling Oregon St- in the Oregon State game. The um, the DBs know the DBs are good tacklers in space. Uh, they for they got two interceptions against uh, the Beavers. Okay, but I think I think that will be definitely an interesting matchup to look for. Uh, the not only not only the Nevada receivers versus the Toledo DBs, but the Toledo receivers versus the ne- Nevada DBs to see how that plays out, because it seems like both both teams have really strong receiving cores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that should be one of the keys in the game for sure. All right. Well, Brian, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, can you just please let our audience know where they can find uh, not only your articles, but also social media channels? Sure, yeah. Um, our website is ToledoBlade.com. It's Blade, B-L-A-D-E. Um, and my Twitter handle is just my name, Brian Buffy. So B-R-I-A-N-B-U-C-K-E-Y.
All right, Brian, thank you for joining us today, and we'll we'll be in contact in the future. All right, thanks for having me. Beats. Hollywood J. We are back. Thank you, Brian, for joining us on today's episode. But with that being said, let's jump into another sport. And let's now talk about Nevada's women's soccer. It was an okay weekend for them as on Thursday they had their second home game. First home game at Mackey Stadium where they faced Hawaii. They ended up with a tie. But there were more people there than I thought. Especially on a Thursday night game, there were there was a decent amount of people there for Nevada women's soccer. Yeah, it was it was definitely a good turnout for them. Um, and we've been talking about this on the show for a couple of weeks. Garrett is you know attendance for them is starting to creep up, um, especially with them having the success they are having. Um, it was definitely surprising. It was a little bit chilly with um, you know the cold starting to pick up here in Reno. And for it being a you know a Thursday night, um, a lot of people you know usually go out those nights, but I'm sure they probably went out after the game. Um, but yeah, no, it was good seeing them coming out. Um, I mean, a tie is a tie. I mean, it's it's better than a loss um, when it comes to our record. Um, it was nice to see us come back. Um, a little bit after, you know, falling behind there 1-0 and then coming back with that header uh, to tie it up. So that was really nice watching. Um, I think it was Yarbrough. Yeah, she, Catherine Yarbrough. Yeah, she headed the, you know, her first career goal for the Wolf Pack, you know, and ended up tying the game. So that was nice seeing. And then, you know, it kind of it, it sucks seeing the weekend when we lost, you know, one nothing to Utah State. That kind of bites, uh, especially with the neighbors right here to the east of us losing to them so it was kind of tough to hear about that but yeah it's definitely nice to see the attendance starting to grow for them and it's a fun game to attend like the games the game was at close as as we mentioned it was only 1-1 but theoretically Nevada should have won like 3-3-1 Nevada had two really good chances to score goals just the defense for Hawaii was stellar like there was one play where the goalie just misplayed the ball and like Nevada almost had a chance, but, like, the Hawaii defender came from out of nowhere and stopped it. And it, it's just, like, the games are fun, and it's, like, it's good soccer what you're seeing. And it's they, – they need all the support they can get. Like, it was actually interesting because the Battleborn Brigade – do you guys know what that is? Yeah, it's that um... – Basically, what they had for the eighteen sixty eight. It's their. It's, yeah, their, it's, their it's the name of their of, fan base. Yeah, it's the version and of them. They had a couple of people out supporting the so- women's soccer team. They had drums. They had bells. They had other instruments, and it was and it was good to see. And they were they kept up the effort. They kept up the energy, all game, including overtime. So I think it's good to see that we're getting continued support. I know a few basketball players were there. So if we can continue to pitch this idea of attending these games and making it so that Mackey is more and more packed, because it is hard when you're playing in a football stadium that holds 30-plus thousand people. Pack that up. Yeah. It's a little tough, but... It's a little tough, but we're, we're trying to do the best we can. It's, and everyone sits on the, the, West, the West Stadium where there's the, the, mm-hmm. somewhat nice seats. And we, it, it, it's just we want to see, like, that entire West section filled up mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, this, like, this is the goal. And the team is doing way much better than they did last year, which which is easy to beat. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think the team is in the right direction. Uh, co- uh, the, coach is, the coach is doing a fantastic job in recruiting. You got a bunch of good freshmen, sophomores. Still in there, they're set for in goal for the next three years with freshman goalie, but I think it's it's definitely something that I think is going to be on the up and up, especially when it comes to the school. Yeah, you know, soccer. You know, we're not much, we're not very well known for much right now, except you know that basketball. But like you say, if sports are starting to go in the right direction and they start winning or they start, it's competitive. You know, we'll start to see those feet sealed. So, feet seats filled. My bad. 
But yeah, you know, it, like everybody, you like to see competitive soccer. One-one games are very good, and it's good to hear that we got our little own fan section going at the game. Like you know, you give, you give players some, some something to play for when you're there. You inspire them. They got a little, little more heart to them, and it just might make a difference in a two-one game. You get more people to go, more fans showing up. They feel more inspired. Just overall better. Better vibe from games, getting more fans. So we should try and do that. You know, let's go, let's go get packed at Mackey for a girls' soccer game. Why not? Yeah, and after after this Hawaii game, they did travel to Salt Lake City, where they did lose to uh, University of Utah, one nothing. And it was a close game, but we obviously weren't able to to get to get the dub, which proves, which now brings our record to three three and two on the season. And our next game after. Our next home game is not until October 5th. So we still have a while to go, and that includes four straight Mountain West road games. This week we travel to Boise on Friday, and then on Sunday we play at Utah State. So I think it's going to be tough, especially trying to compete in the Mountain West when you don't have many home games. And in talking to some people, it's you're not going to get a lot of home games when the team was one in like 18 last year, so that's why Nevada has to had to play a lot of road games. But I think starting next year, looking at the team and looking at we're actually good or decent, I think we might see a lot more home games than just six. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, with the success, we'll start seeing those home games increase. Um, and it does go back onto you know us getting you know those seats filled. You know, if we end up do winning a lot more and we can get those seats filled um it'll definitely turn into more home games for us uh in the coming seasons obviously um yeah no it's it's kind of interesting to see i think we talked about it a couple weeks on the show is uh last year is they had that stretch of games where they lost i think it was like six straight in a row I'm kind of seventeen in a row seventeen last year. in a row i was missing i was missing about ten there um <laughs> So now I I'm starting to get the vibes where we're maybe slipping here a little bit, you know, with these past couple of games. We started off to such a great hot start. Um I think I think we'll pull it out. I think um once we get these couple games, the next couple games under our belt, you know, we can survive these, you know, maybe get some ties in there, maybe one or two wins in there when we come back in October um, back home if we're, you know, we're feeling it as a fan base, we'll start packing those stands, um, it'll be good for the good for the women to see all these great fans out in the stands um, I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago with um, that they have, you know 1868 players showing up to like you said, we had basketball players showing up to the Thursday game. So I think as a community, we're starting to you know get a lot more support for these women out here. Yeah, and as as we mentioned, as as I mentioned earlier, for the October fifth game, but that's the start of four consecutive home games. So if you don't show up to try to show up to as many as possible, I know we will will try to be there as much as possible. Due to conflicting schedules with other sports, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but looking at another sport that's doing really well this year is uh, Nevada <laughs> Nevada women's volleyball. They're off to a seven and four start this year. Uh, they're they come they come off back to back losses at St. Mary's, which was close. They lost three sets to two, and then they lost at University of Pacific three zero. But they now come home to where now they start Mountain West play, and they're at home this week. They play first home game is Thursday uh, against Colorado State in the Virginia Street Gym. We highly recommend uh, everyone going out to see to see the, to see how good this team is. They're they're off to obviously a much better start than they were last year. Last year they kind of struggled, so I think it will be interesting to see what how this team really does play in the Mountain West. Indeed, like you said, those two losses the. St. Mary's and Pacific are some pretty good softball, or my bad, volleyball teams here on the West Coast, so, you know, but they're not looking too bad, but like you say, you know, they're off to a good start, and personally, I've been to a couple games, you know, when I was in the dorms uh, on a Thursday night when you ain't got nothing to do, walk right down to Virginia Street, and you got a little volleyball game, they're very interesting, very intense, you know, it's a small, smaller gym, but you get, if you get more people in there, it sounds a lot loud, you get a little hyped, and it's a a very good experience you know you want to come support all pack sports and women's volleyball is a very good one you know we're off this start and just 
have a good time at the game. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a great atmosphere. And inside that gym, you know, it is an older gym. It's one of the older buildings here on campus. Um, so it's it's really nice being in there. You know, it's definitely a different vibe. I mean, volleyball is just a different vibe as it is. It's very intense. Um, I remember uh, back in high school, that was one of the best sports to go watch is, you know, we'd get intense in the stands just watching. We'll start talking trash to the other school coming against us. And it's kind of the same way here at the university. It's kind of uh, an intense sport. Um, I mean, you can get intense when it comes to, like, football and stuff like that. Basketball kind of has the same effect, especially since it's indoors. So, you know, a lot of those sounds are going to echo. You're going to make a lot more noise. So it's going to get a lot more heated and a lot more uh, intense in there. So it's really nice to go down there. Um, like you said, Joseph, it's a it's a good way to spend a Thursday night. You got nothing else to do. Or, you know, you want to do that before you go out to the, you know, go out to the bars. You know, it's definitely a good way to spend, you know, Thursday evening. Yeah. Look, student tickets are F R E E. That's t any sport. It tickets are free. No better word than that word. <laughs> it's the college kid's favorite word. Indeed. College kid, I think it's everybody's favorite word. Let's be honest. So, I, I think I don't know. I don't know if uh, <laughs> non-students have to pay. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you you might uh, show up, show up, and then you have to find out. Uh, yeah. But and it's this team needs the support, like. It, volleyball usually does a lot with promotions. Like I know they've handed out yeah. free shirts, free the they posters. do like the posters. They do like I think a bingo night. Yeah. So I think I think as the more you can do as like a marketing team, the better, the more chances you have at bringing people in. Well, yeah. All you have to do is hook them that first time. You just gotta get them to go. You know, you know, get that special thing going on, whether it is bingo or something like that, or a t-shirt night or. A, you know, a poster night. You just got to get them to, for that first game because after that they're going to start actually watching the game and they're going to be more incentivized to go afterwards because they've been to the game and they know what it's like and they're going to tell their friends. So all it is is making that first contact with them. And I think the marketing team for them is doing a pretty good job um, taking a little shot. I think the football team needs to start taking some plays out of these women's playbook. You know, I'm just saying – um, but no, they're doing a great job in marketing, um, and the attendance is starting to show for it. Yeah, like you say, the f the hardest sell is always the first one. You got to get somebody interested in it, and I'm pretty sure it's not it's not that hard to sell somebody on women's volleyball. You know, it's a very intense game. You get rallies going, you get the vibe going. It's a very cool atmosphere. It's a it's a different atmosphere than most sports. You know, it's just different, and it's a cool little cool way to spend a night. You know, pick up. Go go with some friends, go down, get a drink and some popcorn, and just enjoy the night. With that being said, we are running out of time on today's episode. Any final thoughts from either of my guests? Uh, just uh, ending it, you know, football fans, you know, make sure you get up early on Saturday to watch that game. I know it is a 9 a.m. start, and I know most of you guys won't even get up for your 9 a.m. classes, um, but definitely get up for this. You know, watch the game. CBS Sports, just like Garrett said earlier, um, you know, definitely cheer on as much as you can. Uh, anybody on the football team, coaching staff, trainers, players, um, you know, have a good game on Saturday. Um, and try to show up for that second half. That's all we're asking for you is show up that third quarter, and I guarantee we'll cover the spread and might even pull a win out of this. And thank you, Garrett, for having us on the show. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, like like Kevin said, you know, everybody, you got to give that support. Come watch that game. But, yeah, let's go pack. Let's go try to steal another win and start off to 3-1, and one, go into conference play. That would be a very good start to the season and maybe get some – shoot some upsets into the Mountain West play. Three and one would be a great start for a conference play. But one last thing I gotta mention is we send our, our uh, we hope for a speedy recover for Brandon O'Leary Orange. Mm -hmm. He suffered a nasty injury during the th I think third, third quarter, quarter yeah. of this Oregon State game. We hope we hope you recover fine. We we're still receiving updates on on what happened, but we just hope you have a speedy recover. And with that being said, we will see you guys next week. Go Wolf Pack. <laughs>